Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Uh, Well, guys, we're going to dive right in, and I have noticed something. There's a phrase that I've heard a lot, and if I'm honest with you, I've said this a lot myself. I have a five-year-old. She loves to say this, and here's the phrase, that's not fair. Everyone say that with me. That's not fair. Come on, have you said that before? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, whether it is my five-year-old asking for another ice pop, she's already had one, says, Daddy, can I have five more? And I say, no, baby girl, one's enough. And she says, that's not fair. Or later on, we're working, maybe at our job, or we're noticing some other people, they're starting to get ahead. Maybe it's that promotion that we're kind of looking for, and it's not happening for us, but it's happening for them, and that's not fair. Or... Maybe really it's someone that we know who has uh, been living healthy or just kind of out of the blue, they get an unfair diagnosis, a, a really terrible diagnosis. We just feel like that's not fair. Like there's something in us that says like, I should get what I deserve. And on the inverse of that, I should not get what I don't deserve, right? Like this sense of like right and wrong, what, what is fair? We're going to look at that this morning. And We're continuing our series called Summer Stories, and we're looking at parables that Jesus told. They're stories, uh, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning that he told. We're going to look at a story that really dives into this topic of that's not fair. So Jesus is telling these parables. We'll look at one today, and he's teaching us about God's kingdom. Say God's kingdom. God's kingdom. He's teaching us some deep truths So there's a relatable story on the surface, but he's really revealing God's heart, his kingdom. And really, guys, these parables, they point us straight to Jesus. And we will learn what Jesus is teaching us through today's parable if we have, if we've been saying this phrase, ears to hear. So I really just want to pray one more time this prayer together. Let's say, Jesus, Jesus, give me ears ears to hear. hear. Amen. It's, It's a powerful prayer. Because we will have a relatable story come our way, but there's a deep truth that God's going to use to transform our lives if we have those ears to hear on. You know, my daughter does this thing, click, click, put your ears on, so click, click, let's get our listening ears on. Uh, Let me set up the scene of this parable for us. Jesus is talking about a topic of work and wage. Say those two things with me. Say work, work, wage work and wage. I think we can all relate to that in some sense. We know that our culture is largely built around having a job and working and whatever that looks like for you in this season, let's just lean in and listen to what Jesus has to say. But also as we lean in, let's realize the audience to which he's speaking to is very different than 21st century America. So let's come back in time in first century Galilee And I really want you to envision that Jesus is talking about a topic that's really relatable and practical for the people of this day. He's talking about farming, harvesting crops. Like this was a way of life for them. Like farming equaled food, food equals life. So this is like a really important topic. And this was a common way of working in this day. So again, with ears to hear, let's lean in. Let's listen to what Jesus is saying to the crowd here. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to
to hire workers for his field. So we have a couple of things here, real practically. We have a landowner, someone who owns some land. It's, it's a vineyard. They're going to do some farming, some work. And he's waking up. He's going out early in the morning. He's saying, hey, I need some people to work in my field. I'm looking for people. And he starts to hire some people. Now, you see that early in the morning? Who here is a morning person? Eh, kind of like 10%, right? <laughs> I like to think I'm a morning person, but then the morning rolls around and I don't think so. Um, the other question is, what is early in the morning, right? Is that 5 a.m.? Is that 4 a.m.? Is that, is that 11 a.m.? I mean, 11 is still morning, right? Come on, somebody. Amen to that. Uh, but what is early? So contextually, think about this. This is before power tools and lights and all that. So they want to make the most of the day. Right? So we're going to say an average work day was about 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Make the most of that day, let's say about 12 hours, but that's early in the morning. So during harvest season, they would go out, they would work for about 12 hours. And in this parable, we have this landowner. Again, he, he's an employer. He's looking for workers to harvest his field. Now remember, as we start to come into this story and work through, this parable is about the kingdom of of God, right? The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. And there's a hidden meaning we'll discover as we work through. So next verse, it says, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Everyone say a denarius. denarius. What is a denarius, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked because I had to look this up myself. A denarius was typically about a day's wage. Now here I have a quarter on the stage. Anybody use one of these still? I mean, I know we have Apple Pay and credit cards, and all, but this is like, this is a quarter, we, cash, all that, okay. So a denarius was, uh, it was typically a day's wage in this time. It was like average pay for a day. It was, it was a good amount of pay for that day. That's one thing we notice here. Second, we also notice that they agreed on this. So there was a verbal agreement. Now again, contextually in this time, your word held the same weight as a signature, as a, as a bounded contract. So they didn't sit down in HR and sign some paperwork, but they had this verbal agreement between the landowner and those that he was hiring and said, hey, you'll work for me, I'll pay you this. They both agreed upon it and they, they said, let's get to it. So third, we see that he sends them right away. So they're hired on the spot. There's no HR paperwork. Like, just get to work. You need a job. I'm hiring you. Great. Let's get to it. Let's keep reading. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing, what's that word? Nothing. nothing. They're doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. All right. Now it's 9 a.m., not as early in the morning. But we have this landowner, he hires people at 6 a.m., he hires people at 9, and notice, what were they doing? Nothing, right? They needed something to do. So this is a good thing. He's coming along and he's providing work for them. And those that were hired earlier are still working away, and these, this new crew joins the working crew. Keep reading. He went out again about noon and about 3 in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. All right, so about every three hours, this guy's he's looking out, he's assessing, he's seeing how the progress is going in his field. He's saying, I need some more workers. I'm going to go out and hire some more. Nine, 12, three. So now it's 3 p.m. The day is kind of winding on, right? The crew that's been there since, let's say, about six in the morning, they, they could be there at nine hours at this point. So some work has been done, and yet he's saying, I need some more workers. 
I'm going to go out. So let's keep reading. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing, what's that word? Nothing, right? So he still finds people at 5 p.m. I really want you to feel this. I don't know about you, but 5 p.m. and my workday rolls around. I'm ready to clock out. I've been there for a good seven, eight hours, and I'm going to go have dinner with my family, everybody. Like, it's not time to go hire more people and do some more work. It's time to call it a day. And yet, we see this landowner. He goes out. He hires more people at 5 p.m. By our standards, we might feel like, okay, that's too late. Yet, there's something really important that we're going to see here. So he finds more people at 5 p.m., he hires them, and here's what the people reply. They say, because no one has hired us. That's what they responded. When, when the landowner, he said, why are you still here? They said, no one has hired us. See, these people, they're, they're, they're kind of standing around all day without purpose. And the landowner comes, and he says, I have something that you need. I have something good for you. Would you like to work? Would you like to find your purpose. See, in this day and age, again, there's no LinkedIn, there's no digital job boards. So by these people standing around, they're making themselves available, hoping that purpose would come along, right? I mean, if we had to put, hey, doing nothing, now not nothing like playing video games and hanging out and having some, like having no purpose and having ultimate purpose. Again, remember, this is about God's kingdom. Yeah receiving an invitation to say, hey, here's ultimate purpose, to work in God's kingdom. Like, that's awesome. So I really want us to see this is a beautiful invitation that the landowner is giving. And so what does the landowner do? Again, he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So he hires them on the spot. He invites them to do this good work. Now, I feel it's, it's worth mentioning, when I say the word work, we may all come to that word from different angles. Maybe I say work and you say, work. <laughs> or I say work and you say, yo, I love my job. I love what I do. Like we all have a different experience on that. But again, we're looking at working in God's kingdom, ultimate purpose. I wore this shirt on purpose today, everybody. I'm created on purpose for a purpose, and so were you. We're going to see a little sh uh, in a little bit how this parable continues to, to speak to us. We find ourselves right here in the story. But the landowner, he empowers them to go from doing nothing to doing not just something, but living out their purpose. And really, Blaze Church is here to empower you to live out God's given purpose for your life. You know, you may say, oh, what's God's will for my life? Like, how am I wired? We're here to empower you with that. About a month ago, we launched Growth Track, blazechurch.org slash growth track. It's really an awesome tool, a collection of videos to really walk you through, like, what is it God has created you to do? Let, let's discover that together. Yeah. And even more so, it's kind of, yes, the doctrines that we believe as a church, the why behind the what of who Jesus is. It's really a powerful foundation. I really encourage every single one of you, if you haven't checked out Growth Track yet, check it out. Make sure to check it out this week. And if you've already completed it, because I know a number of you have, be sure to pick up your mug in the back at the Connect table before you leave today. So continuing in the story, talking about purpose, here's what we read next. It says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. 
So guys, it's payday. There's no direct deposit. They're getting cash in hand. That's typically how workers in this day and age in this field would be paid, practically so they can buy food and provide for their families. So it's payday. It's, it's a good day, everybody. Who likes payday? Yeah. I like payday. <laughs> so notice it's really interesting how the landowner, he chooses to pay the ones who have been there the shortest amount of time first. Yeah. Like, don't you find that interesting? Like, isn't that phrase starting to come back up in us? What did we say before at the beginning? That's not fair, right? I mean, if I'm there since 6 a.m., even 9, if I'm there most of the day, and I see the guys getting paid out that have just been there a short time, I'm going, what's up with this system right here? But let's see what their pay looks like. The workers were hired. About 5 in the afternoon came, and each of them received, what is that? A denarius. Again, a day's wage. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. So they expected to receive more than a denarius. Why? I mean, wouldn't you and I, right? But was this a reasonable expectation? Let's look at this. I mean, after all, the crew working just an hour received the same as them early in the morning working 12 hours. I mean, I could see why. Wouldn't you feel the same? Yeah. I'd feel like that's not fair. Now, the text doesn't tell us exactly how long the workday is again, but we're thinking about 12 hours that full day. Uh, now, I'm a visual person, and I love charts and numbers and graphs, so please come with me into my mathematical mind for a moment as I show you this chart. We're going to call this Glassdoor for Farming in the 21st Century. If you don't know Glassdoor, online website to compare salaries and all that. So we're looking at all of the working crew and the time that they started, the amount of hours they worked, and what's that third column there? They were all paid one... So they were all paid the same one day's wage. If we equate that to 21st century American standards, let's say $15 an hour minimum wage, let's say they worked 12 hours, each of them would have received the same amount according to the text, right? So based on working wage in today's standard, that would be $180 a day. Everyone say 180 bucks. All right, let's go to the next slide. If we just compare the ones who were there the earliest and the latest, what do we have? We have $15 an hour, which again, minimum wage. Okay, that provides, right? Or we have $180 an hour. Who wants to make $180 an hour here? <laughs> Sign me up for that job. I mean, that's some extra side money. I'll do that an hour at night, somebody. But what do we respond with if we're part of the crew that started at 6 a.m.? What do we say? That's not fair, right? And yet, in this parable, God represents the landowner. Or rather, the landowner represents God. Ooh, so here's some tension. How do we reconcile that? Let's work through this. Let's look back to verse 2. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Okay, so they agreed upon it, right? This was not a surprise. The landowner, he's actually keeping up with his word. He's paying them what he agreed. He's not paying them less. He's paying them what they agreed upon, and it's a fair wage. But let's be real. <laughs> if any of us operated our business in this way where we're, we're paying the same people working the same job or different people working the same job at completely different rates doing the same thing, like our business would just crumble. Like Department of Labor would be all over you 
and you would just not succeed. You'd go bankrupt. It's not a smart way of going up about business, we would say. And yet, we see that the landowner is representing God here. So how do we, how do we reconcile this? It, it just seems totally unfair. Well, we're not done yet. Let's keep reading. It says, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. They're saying, we've worked at this thing all day, and we're looking at these guys who just showed up. You know, they just got in the groove for 30, 40 minutes, and now an hour's gone by, and they're done. And you're paying them first, and you're paying them the same amount as us. This doesn't seem fair. So naturally, I mean, let's place ourselves in this story. What would you and I, 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 would, be, I would be grumbling. I would be saying that's not fair. Now, in this culture, this is downright disrespectful for them to talk to a superior and grumble about this. Even if it seems unfair to them, that, like you, you don't do this in this culture, and yet that's how they're responding. But let's see how the employer responds. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same that I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. It's a really profound response. A couple of things here. First, I notice his tone, his tone is kind. Now, if you've ever had somebody up in your face who's not happy with you, <laughs> it is not easy to be kind with them. And yet, even though these people, they come, and they're grumbling, they're upset, the landowner, he chooses to be kind with them. He calls them friend, and he means that. And he reminds them of truth. He reminds them, he says, listen, you agreed to work for this amount. I'm not, sh I'm, I'm not shortchanging you. I'm providing that which I said I would provide for you. He also reveals his true heart. He has a generous heart of generosity. Did you notice that? He said, I want to give the ones who came later the same as I gave you. Like he's giving to all based on what they agreed upon. And he asks a pointed question, which I really feel that we, we could hear this pointed at us today. He says, are you envious because I am generous? Do we fall in that trap of, of saying, it's not fair. I, I feel envious. I'm, I'm kind of coveting what they have. It, this doesn't feel right. Or is there potential for us to respond a different way? Now, let's remember what we prayed. We prayed, Jesus, give us ears to hear, right? So we're going to uncover, we're going to see God uncover the depth of what's here in this parable. Again, the, the landowner, he represents God, and the workers represent, who does that represent? Right, you and I and others invited to work in God's kingdom. And really, the landowner is good, right? He's hiring people. He's providing something they need very much, work, purpose, provision, and he's keeping his word and he's paying them what they agreed upon. So here's what we know about God as represented by this landowner. He is just, he's perfect, and all he does is fair, is right, and it's true. So let's be real. We could feel some tension. If all God does is fair, 
right and true, and we have this kind of unequal scales, it seems, going on in this parable, how do we reconcile this? Let's go back to scripture. Here's what Proverbs says. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. So look at this. Like God isn't just fair. He determines what fair actually is. And while on the surface that may feel very tense for us because it doesn't make sense, it is the most freeing truth we're going to discover, everybody. And it is like we want it to be this way. Trust me. So let's look at this. If God isn't, if God Um, I'm sorry, look at this. God isn't just fair. He sets those scales, right? He determines what fair actually is. But again, this tension, if God is the employer and he's paying everyone equally, not according to the amount that they did, like, how do we respond to that? Is, Is he truly good? Is he bad at math? Is he bad at business? Well, no, not at all. He is so good in all of his ways. And it bears mentioning that what Jesus is not saying here, like he's not advocating for socialism. He's not saying that hard work doesn't matter and it shouldn't be rewarded. That's not what he's saying. So what is he saying? He's giving us a beautiful and powerful illustration to show us this truth. You can't earn God's love no matter how hard you work, no matter how early you show up, or how late in the day You show up to his grace. He provides his grace equally for all. It's not based on our merit or our striving or our working that he chooses to give us his forgiveness and his love and purpose for life. It's simply by responding to the gospel. Now, Jesus said something and so powerful talking about work. He said, the work of God is to believe in the one that he sent. How powerful is that? Let's keep going into this. Let's keep looking into this because as, as much as we may want to receive that, it's hard sometimes, somebody. We, we can respond and say, That's, it's not fair, <laughs> right? So let, let's keep looking. Again, culturally, contextually, who's Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to Jewish people. And now these people, they, they had a problem and their problem was this. They really leaned on their own faithfulness, the things that they had done as their source of goodness. So in other words, they, they leaned on their, their status as a result of their faithfulness to God as opposed to looking and saying, God's been faithful to us and that's why we're so blessed. In reality, they forgot that they had been unfaithful to God all through the years. I mean, you remember the years of them wandering in exile, wandering out of Egypt. They, they were rescued by God, brought out of captivity by him, and yet they, they forgot the God who created them and saved them. Now, I know you and I can relate. I can so easily lean into my accomplishments and and feel like, oh, I'm crushing it at work. I'm a present father. I'm showing up and just like have this sense of like my goodness is creating my own satisfaction and creating a situation where, oh, I'm right with God because of what I'm doing. And yet the gospel calls us to lay down our good works lay down what we think brings us right with God and realize it's because of his amazing love. Like I can't earn his salvation. I can't earn what the gospel gives for me. And we don't want to talk about the times that we're frustrated, right? We post our highlights on social media, not the stuff that we we don't want to look at. And yet if we have ears to hear, we understand this is what the parable is saying to us today. 
God owes us nothing except eternal punishment for our sins. So if we do not experience that punishment, that and everything we do experience is pure grace. Like that's the power of the gospel, that we all fall short of the glory of God, and yet he gives us his grace. Here's what Paul said in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is the beautiful picture we see in this parable because the gospel is not a performance-based paycheck no matter how long or how short we work, how much we do for God. It's responding to his generous gift of grace at the cross, the greatest work that was done once and for all of time to restore us back into right relationship with him. And I I really feel in my heart to encourage us this morning, there's an enemy to our souls that wants to trip us up in the moments that we fall short and make us think that we've got to work harder to get back with God. No, no, my friends. Forgiveness, mercy, grace is always available at the cross for the first time or the hundredth time. And today's another opportunity for us to lean into the cross of Christ, to say, God, you have won the war. I'm in a battle but I lay it all down and surrender my life to you. Would you show me what fair actually means? Would you show me the good gift of grace on my life? Paul also says this. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, this is good news. If we're all based on our performance, God's word tells us our wage would truly be death but yet because he placed himself in our place. It wasn't fair that God sent his one and only son to stand in my place as a sinner, to stand in your place and to restore us back to right relationship, to pay the price that we deserve to pay for our sins. And yet Jesus makes a way. He made a way so our eternity is not based on our merit. It's based on his mercy. Come on, can we give him praise in this place? We thank you, God, for your mercy on us. We love you, Lord. And if you don't know God today, if you haven't experienced his mercy, I pray that today you would say maybe is one of the first times that you're encountering the real creator of the universe, but also the one who created you on purpose for a purpose, to find him, to know him, to discover freedom, find purpose, make a difference in this world. And I, I feel like it's, it's important for us just to look at one more note about work. Again, we've been talking about work in this parable, what Jesus is saying. It's important to remember that, that while work does not, like our good works do, does not earn our salvation, earn right relationship with God, it doesn't exclude the importance of good quality work in our lives. We are called to work excellently. One of our values here at Blaze Church is pursue excellence. We truly do know that we have been created in God's image to reflect him to the world around us. And so I don't want this to go over too quickly on us. I really want us to see that our work is a form of worship. And for you, if you have a job when you're showing up, you can say, you know what? I'm going to work unto the Lord, not even unto man. I mean, that's scripture, everybody. Ephesians 6, 7, Paul says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord not people. Now, it doesn't mean forget about people and just ignore. No, 
On, on the flip side, when you work as if you're working to the Lord, think about the attitude of excellence that we can bring. And think about the reflection on Jesus that we reveal to the world around us. That we say, I just want to serve. I just want to do the best job that I can. Yeah, maybe, maybe my heart's not all in this because I know this is a season. Maybe it's just a job I'm in right now. Or maybe it is my passion. Whatever that looks like, I'm going to do my best. God, would you help me? God, would you be with me today? Would you reveal your love to the world around me through my excellence in what I do. And that could be anything, everybody. Whatever God has called you to do and where he's called you to be in this season, just do it excellently for the Lord. Now, God's definition of fair, it's not based on our work. And I'm so grateful for that. It's based on the work of Christ. And let that sink in. The, the work that he accomplished at the cross once and for all, the greatest work of all time. And now, he invites us. He invites you, just as this landowner was going out to hire workers, he invites you to reap the benefits of that work. Now, let's look at that last question one more time that the landowner asks. He says, are you envious because I am generous? Let's really let this pointed question look at our hearts today. Let's let the Holy Spirit ask this to us. Are you envious because I am generous? Another way to ask this would be to say, how do you respond when you see others receiving generosity and blessing from God? Like, how do you respond when you see others doing well? Like, is there something that rises up in us that says, that's not fair, I really want that, I'm kind of coveting here. Let's be real. I feel that. I feel that at times. Like, how do we, so how do we respond to this? I think there, there's, there's two choices that we have. One is we can fall into this trap of comparing. Really, that's a prideful response. So responding with pride, it's, it's really looking at ourselves and saying, I'm, I'm feeling slighted here, really thinking about me. That's not fair. They haven't served as long as me. They don't deserve this. It's one way we can respond. That's a default, a natural response. Yet the gospel calls us, the Holy Spirit empowers us to respond in this way, humility. A response to humility says, I want to celebrate when somebody else wins. Now, that's not natural at all. That's why we need God's grace, an encounter with the living Savior, the one who created us. See his love to enable us to say, I celebrate with you when you win. I may want the very thing that you have, and yet I'm going to choose to say, Lord, help me to celebrate with them because I see your love at work in their life, and that's what matters most. Seeing the joy of others experiencing generosity. I truly am so grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for this church that we have a culture of radical generosity. Like it is such a joy to give. Jesus said it. It's more blessed to give than receive. We know that. But still this comparison trap can trip us up. And yet God's inviting us to recommit to a response of humility that says this. It says, God, you know what I need. You are my provider. You are my, my Lord. I love you. You know everything about me, and you are faithful. You'll provide for me. I, I don't need to worry. I don't need to promote myself. I just need to stay faithful. I just need this response to the humility. W would you help me? Like that, that's an awesome dialogue with the creator of the universe. That, that's an awesome prayer that we can pray. And last week, we discovered a value uh, of generosity in God's kingdom. And really, to connect the dots for us today, we see generosity in our parable today. 
We see God as a generous God that he calls us, invites us for purposeful work in his kingdom. He's generous. He provides what we need. And what are we called to respond to? With an attitude of humility. It's a value that he's speaking to our hearts today to respond with humility. Again, I, I wore this shirt on purpose for a purpose today to remind all of us that God has created you with unique giftings, with value from whoever and wherever you find yourself today. Would you know the mercy, the grace of God, that the gospel is this, that he gave his one and only son, that we don't have to work and earn it, and yet something awakens and ignites within us when this dead heart comes to life over the reality that the God who created the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the trees, anytime we're outside, it's a beautiful reminder for me to point my little girl and say, hey, baby girl, who, who made those trees? Why did he make them? Why did he make this beautiful green earth? So that we can know him. We could find freedom in Jesus. So we could discover our purpose and make a difference in this life, pointing others to him. I pray today that your heart was just stirred by this word. I pray that as we'll worship together in a moment and uh, in a response song, I, I just want to pray that we, we recommit ourselves to a heart of humility, that we approach the situations in our life that are comparison traps. We submit that to God and say, God, I want to celebrate when others win. I know that you provide my needs. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that there's such depth in this parable that Jesus, you gave for us. Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts, that when the situation, when it doesn't make sense on the calculator, that we would choose to trust you over what our logic is saying. Father, I thank you that you're a good God. You're a good Father. You provide everything that we need. Lord, you know every heart and every story in this space. Lord, I pray most of all that we, each of us, would turn to you in this moment. Say, God, I need you. I need you in this life. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray that we would put our trust wholly and completely in you. We humble ourselves. We celebrate with those who are winning, who are being blessed by you, that we trust you in all things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.